Man, that went good. All right, welcome to the train wreck now. It's on. Sound guy's not doing it. I'm just messing with Jerry back there. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. Hey, want to give a little bit of a shout out. Also, we got up there, Mark Beauchene, where you at, man? Right there. And we also got Gib Walker. They always work with us on Wednesday nights with all of the computers, the light, sound, and things like that. So we couldn't. And we couldn't make it happen without Chad and Jenna and, and Chad Burns and Nathan uh, that make it happen, you know, every Wednesday night as well. So uh, y'all get to kind of maybe maybe we a little paint a little picture of what Wednesday night looks like here um, on a Sunday morning. We're also going to try to make it short and sweet because uh, Doc said he was extra tired today. No, I'm kidding. All <laughs> oh, right, so... Uh, <laughs> Felt that it was kind of maybe fitting. They said, "Hey, do you want to uh, you want to keep preaching, John, and you want to just do your own thing?" And I was like, "My own thing, of course, right? <clears throat> That's how we roll." Also, it was the first week of school for us, and I was like, "Man, trying to study and try to be a teacher, you know, <laughs> it's a, I kind of got to focus on one or the other." But no, but uh, so we are. We're going to kind of just do a one-off this week, and then we'll return back into the book of First John next week. And so with it being this idea that it's sin Sunday and kind of everybody graduating up and moving up to the next stage of life, whatever, whether that be elementary to middle or middle to high or high school into their career or into, into college or whatever it might be, we want to just kind of talk about purpose. And so the hope of today is that maybe you leave here encouraged um, to, to go, uh, or maybe affirmed in things that you're already doing. So today we're going to talk about purpose. And so just kind of as a precursor to this is that all of our purpose is the exact same, all right? But the avenues in which we travel are going to be different, okay? Some of us in the worlds that we live in and the things that we do and the people that we interact with, it's going to look different. And so our purpose is all the same, but the avenue in which we get to that purpose is going to look different. So as we go through it today, that's what I want you to kind of think like, this isn't a one size fits all type deal. So you may have to be a little creative in your mind of how this applies to you or how you can use this in a... in your life, all right? So our purpose is this. Here it is, main point. Our purpose is to glorify God with everything that we have, right? Scripture says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's it. That's all. That's, that is our ultimate purpose. Scripture also says that if we don't do it, the rocks will cry out, right? Like, like creation is, was created to worship God, and if we don't as people, creation will. The rocks will cry out. And so our purpose is to glorify God in everything and with everything that we have. All right? But again, your, your road, my road may look totally different than what we do it. So the very first kind of point, we talk about kind of three eyes. The first eye, not like eyeball, but I, the letter I, is influence, all right? It's our influence. And so influence is kind of defined as this. It's the ability or the capacity, the ability to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. So influence is the ability 
to change someone's thoughts or the things that they're doing to do something else, right? Like YouTube, right? Remember when YouTube, like there was no commercials? Like you just typed in a video and the video just popped up. Now it's like commercials everywhere, right? Commercials, that's all commercials are doing. Marketing, that's all they're doing is they're, is they're trying to influence you into doing something. So it's the ability to have effect on character development or the behavior of someone or something. You, this is, well, this could be a rhetorical question. If you want to raise your hand, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> How many of you have done something real stupid because someone talked you into it, right? See, I'm glad there's some honest people in here. My wife even raised her hand. <laughs> I'm hope, I hope maybe I wasn't that person, no. <laughs> but we've all probably at some point or time in our life have been influenced by those around us to do something we probably shouldn't have done, right? Sometimes the outcome was good. Sometimes the outcome maybe not so good. I feel like this is the life. This is my life. Like if I could sum up my entire life, this would be it trying to influence kids to do stupid stuff, <laughs> right? I'll share a couple of stories. We go to camp, and I tell the kids, like, hey, like, we like to have a good time. Like, it's okay to, like, play jokes and stuff. And, like, the one rule is don't play jokes on each other. Play them on the other church. You're never going to see them again. Gracie Royalty. Like, I had this idea. Like, I was like, man, this will be the greatest, funniest idea ever. Like, let's go around and take, find pictures of the other youth pastors from the other churches and just, like, plaster their pictures all over the camp. Like, this would be hilarious. Like, why is this, why is, why is Pastor John from... Uh, First Baptist Decaturville, Alabama, all over the church camp, or all over the, the campus. You know, it's like, man, this would be a really funny joke. Day one goes by, I wake up. On the first night, I wake up to the next morning. Whose picture's everywhere? Mine. Like, 450 of them. And Bryant College isn't much bigger than this church, you know. And there's pictures everywhere, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, that totally backfired. And Gracie's like, I thought it was so funny. You know, so did, so did the maintenance people. As the, <laughs> I had multiple meetings with the camp director that week of like, we didn't think that was too funny. Everyone else did. And then we also, uh, uh, there was another one. It was, this was a really fun one. I'm going to share it, and this will be kind of the last one. So there was this big church called Shades Mountain. They're out of Alabama. It's huge, okay? So there was like 450 kids at camp. Shades Mountain brought like 225 of them, all right? So like one out of every two was a Shades Mountain kid. And uh, so we thought, man, this would be hilarious. So we just took sidewalk chalk. And so, well, we drew dead bodies everywhere, with the sidewalk chalk. But then we just started writing things like, Shades Mountain is the best, you know, and like, put your shades on and coming up with all these crazy hashtag things. So the next day they get up and there is like 
propaganda about Shades Mountain everywhere, pretty much. And then I just I like I'm I'm kind of intentionally like putting myself near the Shades Mountain people, you know, just intentionally to try to hear. And like the leaders were like getting onto the kids, who did this? Who did this? And I was like, man, this is the greatest joke ever because because like all of our kids are out there. They're not like seeing how funny it is at the moment. I'm like, I'm telling you guys, this is gonna be hilarious the next morning. And so they like sat all the kids down from Shades Mountain. They're like, we want to know who wrote all that on the, all the sidewalks. It was none of them. It was our church, right? <laughs> so I, I really feel like this is my, my life, is like to try to convince kids to do crazy things. Good, legal, totally legal stuff, but, but stupid stuff all in the same. You know, but, but also my hopes is that in that we can also influence kids for eternity in terms of their salvation, what they believe as well. And so sometimes you got to have both of them to make it work. All right. Um, so sometimes I also, I'm going to share another story and then we're really actually going to get to the Bible kind of stuff. You know, sometimes there are things that, that influence us more than others, right? Especially like teenage boy. What influences teenage boys? Girls and money, right? So I can remember being in middle school. Man, scared to death. Went to, the, went to the middle school dance. Had never danced with a girl in my life at all, right? Not that, you know, I'm sure y'all probably didn't expect that, right? <clears throat> but there was this girl, and I was like, man, it'd be awesome to, like, dance with her. And my buddy Ben, not Ben Atkinson, he's a lot older than me, um, I'm still the youngest on staff. <laughs> he was like, hey, I'll give you $5 if you go talk to her and ask her to dance. And so I was like, deal. And so I go up to her and I was like, hey. <laughs> and, I, and I'm really like recreating this in my mind. Like I, I, can, I can see the moment happening. Would you like to dance? And she said, wrong. She said yes. <laughs> I expected no, because again, at this point, I had never danced with a girl in my life, and so I really didn't know what to do. And so I just kind of knew, I kind of was like, okay, hands on hips. Like there were some that were doing this, and I was like, ooh, that'd be awkward, so we just danced like this. You know. <laughs> but I got five dollars out of it, right? Like it, it influenced me. The bad part is he gave me like $5 right in the middle of the dance, and I was like, uh, yeah, hey, that's no problem. Those nachos, you know, I got you, you know, you know. <laughs> but, you know, there are things in our lives that, that, that influence us more than others. Um, and so that's kind of where we want to land in this idea of, of influence, of how we influence those around us, all right? So on Wednesday nights, <laughs> a lot of times, we'll talk about impacting those that are in our direct sphere of influence, right? So inside of our circle of influence. And, I, and I'm not saying necessarily like inside of our friend's circle, but when we say sphere of influence, it's like anybody that you are close to, in proximity to, right? So in your office, on your job site, whether it's like if you, if you remotely 
people that you email back and forth with on your social media feeds. Like the, your sphere of influence is very broad, right? So we want to always talk about, like on Wednesday nights, we always talk about impacting those that are around us and reaching those in our sphere of influence. So who first invited you to church, right? Like more than likely, there's a lot of you in this room that came to this church because someone invited you. Take it back even further. For those of you who have been Christians for a a, a period of time, there was somebody that invited you when you were young, whether it was a vacation Bible school, uh, a backyard Bible club, uh, a revival Sunday school or something. Somebody invited you to come to church or to come to be a part of it. And then for a lot of you, ultimately, you came to know Christ through that first interaction with somebody. Somebody influenced you to come be a part of something. I can remember at, at mine, there was, a, of course, my, my parents always, I've been in church my entire life, but I was probably eight years old, and the pastor's mother, her name was Miss Walker, was the one that I remember had that influence on my life at that moment. And it was that first time that I recognized that I needed Jesus Christ. Those people who had influence on your life, and some of you who now know Jesus, that person was the original one that pointed you to Jesus. You see, and so that's, that's how we have to, to look at our purpose in life to glorify God is this, is that, that we may be the first person that somebody sees Jesus living in us and through us. Like we may be the front door to somebody's eventual conversion and giving their life over to Christ. And that's why it's so important that we take what we do so seriously. That's why in Scripture, in everything that we do, whether we eat or drink, we do all to the glory of God. You don't know who was a good influencer? Jesus. Jesus was good at it. Right? Like we can, we can look at the Gospels, those first four books in the New Testament, and we can really see Jesus being a great influencer. I mean, that, that thousands and thousands of people wanted to be around him. We see this today also in social media, at, on social media accounts, whether it's TikToks or whether it's Instagrams. Like, like we can see people who have tons and tons of followers because they're influential. You know, and there's even like now this coined term that they're influencers, which in reality has kind of led to some of the decay of, of, of society in some sense because we have people who may not have good moral compasses that are now the influencers in the culture, whether it be with our kids or, or with us or, or the way that we view life, the way life should be. And so we've got to look at ourselves in the same way that we are influencers to those that are around us. And now our reach may not be into the, the, the hundreds, it may not be the thousands, it may only be the tens of people that you work around or that you, work, that, that you interact with. You see, but Jesus actively walked to this earth 
And you got to understand, for 30 years he lived, or 33 years he lived, and then we see these little snippets of his life early on, but we see these three years of his life where he began to do ministry and had this unbelievable following that still exists to this day because of who he was. You see, he would, he walked this earth, he placed himself in others' past. He listened and he loved them well. And the fruit that came from it is that there are those, they were those who were willing to give their lives for. The same is still true for today. So I want to jump into a little passage of Scripture in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. We've all heard this. We want to share it with you and then kind of give it to a different light or talk about it a little bit. It goes here like this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, but you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So when we read this passage, right? if we get one of the old school Bibles, we read this passage, what color are these letters? Red right? The words of Jesus. Jesus is, is preaching this to us. He's, he's preaching this to these followers, these crowds that have been gathering around him throughout his whole ministry. And he preaches this. And sometimes, like, I always think that, like, when we look at the red letters, it's like, man, we really need to focus in on what he's saying, because it's direct from the mouth of God. We see Jesus telling us that we have purpose, that we have a purpose, and that we have worth, and that if we're still breathing and our hearts are still pumping blood into this dying body, then we still have purpose. Whether you're 8 or 88, you still have a purpose. If you are still breathing, you have a purpose. You know, we all know the story of, of, of Josh and Dusty Hudgens, and there's more of that to come, hopefully, that you guys will see here in the future. But, you know, that's one of the things that I think was very impactful in, in my mind of, like, when I, when I read passages like this, I think of Josh Hudgens. All the way to the edge of death, to the point of, like, is he coming back? If he does come back, is he going to function? And he will tell you that, I'm still here for a reason. I'm still here for a reason. It's, it's understanding that if you are alive and you are breathing, that you have a purpose. This, the writer of Psalms 150 verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Again, that if we don't do it, the rocks will cry out. That we were created, our ultimate, our purpose again, is to glorify God with everything that we have. And whatever we do. So our purpose is to be influencers for the kingdom. Right? And so this is, this, is, this is where I need you to kind of start thinking maybe a little bit more creatively. Like, how does this fit into my life 
as an IT guy, as a brick mason, as a plumber, as a teacher, whatever it might be. How does this affect me? How do I do this? That's where the struggle is. See, we think that there's this special formula or these magic words or these do's and these don'ts that we do. So there's this word, I kind of made it up. So every time that I type it, it just comes up as red, like wrong. And then when you right click on it, it says, <laughs> nothing to replace it with. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you that word. Here's the second I. Incarnational. Now, there's the word incarnate, okay? Like God incarnate, God in flesh. But this is incarnational, okay? Don't judge me that I'm making these words up. So, but it makes sense to me. Incarnational makes sense to me. And it's the act, and this is how I define it. Incarnational is the act of the Holy Spirit actively living in you. All right, so Jesus was God incarnate. Like, Jesus was fully God in the flesh that walked the earth. And so this is incarnational, is that, so our lives are the Holy Spirit actively living in us and through our flesh. Does that make sense? So the Holy Spirit lives in us. He changes us from the inside, and it changes our actions, and it changes everything that we do. It changes the way we act, the way we react, the way we interact, the way we do things with our hands. And so, incarnational. So this goes back to what I said earlier, is that you may be the first interaction with someone has with Jesus. You may be the first person and the first interaction someone has with Jesus. You know, believe it or not, in the world that we live in, even in the United States, there are people that have never heard about Jesus. Or... They've heard, they know the name, but they don't even understand or know the concept of what it even means. And so you may be the first interaction with someone to show them Jesus, to show them what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. Here's a passage that I think an incarnational life looks like. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Paul writing to this church in Thessalonica. He says, we loved you. He's talking about him and the other, these other disciples that were going and they were planting churches throughout the world or out the region. And he says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. This is the answer right here. Okay, again, our roads all look different to get to that purpose, that one purpose to ultimately glorify God in everything that we have. But here's the answer. To share not only the gospel of God, but also our lives. Because you had become so dear to us. Relationships. Relationships. That's, that's how it all works. 
You know, so often, like here at, at church, we, we, we really press into this idea of either being in a micro church or a small group or a Bible study where you have these people that are pressing into your life. They are genuinely concerned about your life, your well-being, your spiritual walk. You know, having friends, having this support system that's pouring into you. Because it's lonely on an island by yourself, isn't it? And sometimes as Christians, we feel like we're on an island out there all by themselves, depending upon where you live. Like where your world is. And I, I don't want you to think, like your world is the place that you work, that you reside, the things that you do in your life. That's your world. And so sometimes it feels real lonely to be out there by yourself. And so you have to surround yourself with those who are going to pour into your well-being, into your spiritual well-being. Relationships. So Paul and some of the other disciples ministering to these, these folks in Thessalonica, and they were eating dinner, and they were sharing stories. They were making memories. They were building lifetime friendships. Some of our absolute closest friends in our lives come from this church, which we've been here a minute, but our, some of our absolute closest people in our lives come from this church. You know, it's not like every single interaction has to be Jesus, 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 Jesus. But it's the building the rapport, the heart connections with those people that open up the opportunities to be able to share Jesus. But sharing stories and making memories and going places and doing things and taking pictures together, that's a part of doing life together. That's in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, because you came so dear to us and we were so glad to share our lives with you that eventually through sharing our lives with you, now we are able to share the gospel with you. See, your life, your life and testimony is the best tool to reach those around you. You see, because we may all look perfect on the outside when we come to church on Sunday mornings, but we're not, right? Your coworkers know the true you. Your family knows the true you. You see, and then when our lives begin to change because the Holy Spirit then lives in us and it changes everything about us, those people start seeing the true us. People want authenticity in their relationships, right? People want to be real with each other. Who wants to have friendships that are this deep and that are so surface-level fake. Nobody. Nobody. It'd be like just living on Facebook your whole life or Instagram your whole life. I mean, I like Facebook. I like Instagram. But I just want to, like, there, and this is says terrible judgment, like, fake, 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 fake. Like, we all have done that. We've all looked at it and said, mm-mm, I know you. That ain't what it really looks like. It would not be fun to just live in that world all the time. Like, we want that authenticity in our relationships. 
And they do that because they don't want to get hurt. You see, because like when you have an authentic relationship, you really don't want to like hurt that person. Because you really truly care, like in First Thessalonians, because we loved you so much. And we don't hurt those that we truly love. You see, people don't care that you don't have it all together and that you don't have the perfect life or the perfect house or the perfect car or the perfect job. People don't care. I heard a, I heard a guy one time say he, he uh, works with an organization called Young Life, and it's a, kind of a student organization in the schools where they pour into high schoolers. And he said, I, I said, well, what is... Is it all just college kids that are pouring into these high schoolers? He says, no, man. He says, one of our best young life leaders is like a 60-year-old retired guy. You see, people don't care about how cool you are. People just want to know that you care for them. People just want to know that you care for them. Authenticity means that those you're trying to reach see you struggle. They see you hurt. They see you mess up. They see you repent. They see you follow Jesus. They see you love your spouse. They see you love your kids. They see you yell at your wife and your kids. They see you repent. They see you follow Jesus. Repeat cycle. They see you mess up, they see you repent. They see you mess up, they see you repent. That's what it looks like to live this life of authenticity inside of our sphere of influence. Incarnational means relying not on your own abilities, but fully on the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you. And so this is the last I, and we close with this. Intentionality. If we're to influence those in the world in which we live, we've got to do it with intentionality. Like, like we've got to, to, to be bold. We've got to step past that, that uh, step of, uh, of uncomfortable feelings that we may have, the anxieties, and we've got to take that next little step. We've got to be intentional about we've got to be intentional about inviting people to our houses or inviting people to lunches or inviting people to church or inviting people to whatever it might be. You see, because like God pursues us, we have got to pursue, pursue those who God placed around us. It's no accident that the people that are in our direct proximity are there. God's put you in a place for you to make a difference in that place. We have to be open to getting to know those who are different than us, and it means building relationships with them. Because when you know these people, because you have a relationship with them, then you'll know how to minister to them. Then you'll know how to care for them. and share what Jesus has done for you. See, it's the, it's the model of Jesus. Jesus showed up in people's lives. He shared meals. He listened, and he ministered to their needs. He healed them, and he cared for them. That's what we're called to do. To influence, 
to be incarnational and to do it with intentionality. So if there was a special formula, there it is. I think it would look like that. Form deep relationships with people inside of your sphere of influence. Share your life on purpose. Let's pray. God, we just uh, pray because this is really tough to do. This is really hard. It's hard for me. I know it's hard for other people in this room. Because, God, we, we want to be comfortable and we don't want to step out of things that, that might be out of our routines or our normal life. But, God, we just pray that you would give us a passion for the people around us. God, you know, I, I pray that you would help us to open our eyes, or God, that you would open our eyes more, to be sensitive for those that are around us, God, that we would see people that maybe we wouldn't normally see in our lives, and God, that we would, we would go to them, that we would have a conversation with, or God, maybe we even just pray for. But God, more than anything, I pray that you would use us, that you would use these people, God, to make a difference in this world, God. God, we pray that people come to know you because they know us. So use us, God. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.